afternoon, evening, and Shabbat Shalom. We are your hosts, Nadav, Charlie, Dov, and Eitan. We are four bachelors grazing the gaze of our mind's eyes along the many facets of the universe's fundamental truths, life's superficial joys, and all that lies beneath and between the two. Metaphysics and microsociology never really got kinky before now, but they're about to get dominated like never before. Welcome to the Talking Heads Club. Uh, Dove, would you like to introduce today's topic? I would love to, Aton. Alright, so today's topic starts back in uh, elementary school when my friend Cameron and I would listen to a lot of music, and one song was always Hotel California. And I love that song, it's obviously super iconic. But I was not like Cameron who would sit at home and make his mission to understand what every lyric meant. Like that was his hobby. And so later on in high school, I would start to ask him more and more questions about that. And so I came to um, a little bit better of a realization about what I think Hotel California is about. Um, And I'll leave this as open-ended as possible just because like that's how we'll have the best discussion possible. But uh, basically the concept I see in it comes from the idea um, of the line, you can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave. I think that it's making a claim about fame. It's talking about California and specifically Hollywood and Los Angeles as a, a hotel that you check into. But even when you try to check out, even when your time is up, because of that fame and that spectacle and that public image that you've created, you can never really step out of that and have a personal life or um, just try to move on from it. And so uh, I'm curious what you guys all think, um, first of all, about the lyrics and second of all, about um, fame and the public eye. I mean, the point you make about fame. Uh, so we actually watched this documentary yesterday called Have a Nice Trip, uh, where it's basically just a bunch of celebrities telling acid stories. But one of the stories was Carrie Fisher telling a story about this time that Mm. She she wanted to like experience acid and like in a safe and somewhat private way. So mm-hmm. her and her friends went to this beach, and <laughs> she she takes a tab of acid, and she's like, "Yeah, this is super private, super chill. Like no one's gonna bother me here. I'm like obviously I'm I'll, I'll get there, though. Um, it's a great part of the story. Um, so they went to this beach. It's private." Anonymity is key when you're a celebrity who's doing illegal things. Um, and they're all topless taking acid. And <laughs> all of a sudden, this group of Asian tourists pulls up on them. And turns out they went to this beach where the nearby hotels take all the tourists for lunch. And that kind of goes to show that like once you've achieved fame, you can never really escape it. And that, that kind of terrifies me, honestly. Yeah, Dove... Would you ever want to be famous? I wouldn't want to be famous for the sake of like being famous and having fame, but I would wouldn't mind being famous if it was because of some action or like a consequence of something that I did that was like meaningful. Yeah. Right. So you're saying you wouldn't want to be in like the public eye, but if your name were to be known for something good. I wouldn't do something in order to put my, to give myself spectacle, but if I did something that gave me spectacle, like so be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nadav, what are your thoughts on the matter? Um, I read an interview once about a small artist I liked. And he was saying how he's very happy 
to not be well known and to not be recognizable on the street. Uh, and they said even even that that means that like he's limiting his like, like the aspirations. It means that he's getting to like he's uh, he's living a way that's conducive to the lifestyle he lives right now, and that makes him very happy. And that's all he needs to be happy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to keep growing, keep being he's keep growing, get a bigger audience. He's in it for the music, so to say. And he's in it for, and he, and he likes this intimate relationship he's developed with his, with his with his current fans. And that's all he needs, and he's going to continue doing it that way. So I think that uh, I can totally understand that. I feel currently right now not being famous, we're already very simulated socially, um, and so uh, I feel like just to have that on you all the time to be recognized on the street all the time would be so exhausting. Um, mm. But that uh, that shouldn't stop you from wanting to do. Like, like, I wouldn't, like, I, personally, I, I want to do good that's so good for the world that would get yeah. recognized, not because I want to get recognized, but because I want my good to be that, right. it's, that it's pretty, impact, pretty it's profound. Impact. It's a consequence, it's a byproduct. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, so, there was yeah. a very famous, <clears throat> very influential jazz pianist that died <laughs> a couple of days ago, um, oh. called Chick Corea, <laughs> who, um, he, he has a famous quote which says, the the performance and the the playing was all the pay that he needed, mm. um, which I think nicely illustrates what uh, Nadal was saying. I think a lot of celebrities don't view it that way, though. For and sure, we we can get to that later. Dove has. Yeah, to say. I mean, I want to pose a question based on what we're saying, which is, we as people who consume all the time tabloid information, stories about people, um, and just. We like we love knowing about that. We love watching, keeping up with the Kardashians, things like that, right? No. Um, some of us do. Many <laughs> some people, of us, some many of us. people do. Um, and as people who are okay with busting into people's private lives, who are we to then, uh, on our own, be worried about like our own data and privacy being a factor well, in I think society? That's, that's very different. Those people have mm. put themselves in a position where they know the risks that they're taking with the privacy of their own lives, uh, us as citizens of whatever country we live in, for myself, Nadav and Dove, that's the United States, for Charlie, that's England, mm-hmm. um, we, are, we are protected by these laws, privacy laws, that are meant to keep us safe, but I think it's very different, like, our data and a celebrity's life are very different things, like, if I'm going to, let's say, download TikTok, and have my data taken by whatever parent company TikTok is owned by, um, that's a risk I know I'm willing to take, but it's also not something that I expect to be broadcasted to the public because I know I'm protected by these laws. If I'm a celebrity, I know that my, my personal life is something that has become a spectacle to the public just because of the positions I've put myself in with my fame, and I think part of celebrity is being able to accept that and having it be part of your life. What about like when Lady Gaga wanted to have a private wedding and there was like helicopters of people trying to film it? Um, I think that's also, that's a question of morality on our side as regular citizens, right, where who are we to say that we deserve to know everything about a celebrity's Mm, life? Absolutely. And who are we to say that just because you're famous we must know everything about your life and that you don't deserve to have your own privacy because Obviously, celebrities are people, too, and I think at, at risk of sounding uh, unintelligent in an intelligent conversation, <laughs> there is a balance between um, 
what we can and can't know. We need about a jar for those. Life. We, we <laughs> yeah. do need a jar. <laughs> we need a jar. No, I feel I feel like that was acceptable though, because it's true. There, it's true. No, no, no. There's it's a true. balance it's true. between. It's always it just it depends on the context with which you say whether it's a balance. Exactly, is that... Uh, Whether or not we'll need a jar will also change with time. That's the reason, the reason The reason they suck is because they're almost always true. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, so true. <laughs> but... You can never distinguish. Yeah, like... <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, no, no, it's what, true! What are your thoughts I didn't even think this? of it! But... Um, I think that... There's there's a public figure standard. I forget which Supreme Court case established it, but there's there's, there's a different standard for public figures versus mm-hmm. uh, normal. Really? Normal look at, uh, yeah. What in the American? It's like is being that? a private yeah, citizen versus. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the, so the idea is that right now I can say there should be an insurrection and nothing's going to happen. But if Cap. Trump says that, then the then the impact of his words is different than mine, even if we have the same intent. Um, and so. Uh, yeah, so obviously I don't think it's a good example. It has to be a better example, um, but that's, that's the idea behind it. Um, so I think, I think so. There's that much taken into consideration, but also I think that uh, I just think that fetishizing celebrities is strange, and that to want to know what their wedding was like is <laughs> strange, um, and that uh, yeah, I think it's somewhat un- unhealthy, but that. Yeah, I think I just think it's kind of rude to put a helicopter <laughs> over somebody's wedding. It's a little bit rude. Um, so I'm going to preface what I'm about to say um, with the, I totally agree with everything you just said. <laughs> However, oh okay. Do you think in today's society, in today's culture, um, just because this is sort of a phenomenon that's been happening for so long, with things like the Daily Mail, I don't know if you guys have that, um, and other like tabloid newspapers. Do you think it's now become like almost a part of the sport of enjoying like celebrity lifestyle and following these celebrities is now, it's not something that just comes with being a celebrity, but it sort of is being a celebrity. Like, uh, I don't know, celebrities today, in my opinion, are famous purely for being famous. And I think that partly comes with their almost more willing or more interesting feels like a weird word, but more interesting to sort of follow and keep up on. What you're saying reminds me of the comedy sketch you played a few days ago, when that guy was like, well, like, Brad Pitt and I ran into each other at a party, and they say it's really hard to meet your heroes, but I would say Brad Pitt did a great job. <laughs> um, and I think it's, but I think it's true to what you're saying, that there's almost like a bad karma when it comes to idealizing um, people who are so famous. Um, because it, it goes back to that, like, what happens when you meet your hero, like, that, that whole thing, and, like, should we really role model people to that large of an extent? Should we really put people on a pedestal that high? Right. I mean, the concept of celebrity is also very interesting, right? It comes from the word to celebrate, like, to celebrate someone, and I think us as society hmm. have strayed hmm. from the idea of actually celebrating things that are worthwhile. Hmm. Um, personally, I tend to pay attention to celebrities who I resonate with, who create a product that is meaningful to me. So musically, I pay attention to artists who I feel put pieces of themselves into their music. Uh, In the film industry, I pay attention to celebrities who really come across as genuine on the screen. Want to plug some names? Um, Sure. So (laughs) I feel like some musicians that I, or not resonate with, but really 
am intrigued by. So Kanye West, for example, mm. I find that his music is very reflective of who he is as a person. I don't always agree with that, mm. but I respect the fact that his music is very like relevant to what he's going through and really shows an emotional side and is very transparent. I feel like we've been dancing around this topic for a while, so I'm just going to bring it up. What well, is... Can I cover Pat's mind what he said first? Yeah. So I want to say I want to say two things. That one is that maybe the people that we say uh, that we said that we've strained that, that that the celebrities people that we say are not worth celebrating now, other people they, they resonate with other people the same way that Kanye resonates right. with you. I'm I'm not saying that the celebrities I don't resonate with aren't worth following. I'm just saying that I don't resonate with them, so I don't follow them. Okay, and then the other thing is that I think it's interesting you say that because uh, actually. Until recently, I did not listen to Kanye at all, purposefully, okay. uh, because I, somebody I was close with uh, said that they hated listening to Kanye because it made them feel awful as a woman, mm. that he just objectified women, and all these people around them were, would be singing along to the lyrics, and it made her feel bad about herself. Yeah. And uh, I think it's interesting. I, I, I just find that whole... I just find that, like, I, like trying to reconcile... Like how popular he's amongst my friends, and and trying to relate with my friends, but also like I, like how he's almost dehumanized other people I care about, and it's it's hard to, like like some people say like oh he's changed now, and and that makes listening to all of his music okay, and I don't know if that makes listening to all of his music Personally, okay. I think he's... Does it just make listening to his more recent music okay? And do I think he's okay now? Because I still think <laughs> right. that like, Christianity no, he, he has, is uh, he has yeah. issues. But I think it comes across in his music in a way that's genuine and transparent, and I that I just find that fascinating. Um, so as I was saying before, we've been dancing around the topic of cancel culture mm-hmm. and that sort of toxicity in society without properly addressing it. So I just wanted to ask uh, Dove, uh, what are your thoughts on cancel culture? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, so, <laughs> oh. so in my in my response to cancel culture, I will respond also to what Aton and Adav were talking about, and say that while I think it's um, nice and worthwhile to determine who we'd like to listen to based on how authentic we are, they are, and how authentic they come across to us, um, and how much they care about their art as opposed to their celebrity status, I would argue that um, in the current day and age, there is no differentiating between spectacle and reality. Um, and that it is impossible for us to actually know who's authentic and who's not, because um, who are, who are we to to know all of those things? And like we can't see how these people are um, at home or in their personal lives compared to what they're trying to do to put on a persona. And so I think, um, and I I watched a video after I stopped watching um, the show House of Cards because I was right. made Kevin aware of Spacey. Kevin Spacey's um, sexual assault. Um, history uh, and this video sort of talked about how he's constantly um, narrating the show and showing how the public eye and the public image he's presenting and the person he um, is beca- is behind the scenes um, the person he is behind the scenes while different throughout the show end up merging and they end up becoming gray, and it ends up becoming so difficult to distinguish between what's spectacle and what's not. Mm. Um, and so for me, I think that it is really difficult to know how to cancel someone or what it, that, what it means to idealize someone for being authentic when 
um, when they are like merging their spectacle and their projection of what they want people to see of them with what they actually are at home um, and off camera and stuff. Um, so I listen to a band and the frontman of the band was uh, somebody that, that there was a claim that he had coerced somebody what to having sex. Pine, Pine Grove. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't think anybody would. Um, uh, and that, that, yeah, he coerced somebody having sex with him and the person and, and then the victim essentially came, uh, approached the front man of the band and said, look, this is what you did to me. And this is what, this is why, this is how you can make it right. And the, and essentially she gave him a checklist and the band and the front man followed through with the checklist. And only once they got the okay from the victim to release their next album, did they do that. Mm. And so I, so I, that's what I think. So I think that when somebody is that, 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 that's, that's the bare minimum the, that, that idea is when you do something wrong, and especially when you're a public figure, so you have, you have to do what you can to right the situation, but also you have to use the opportunity to, to teach others about what you did wrong and not complain and not make victims look bad. And so I, so I do think that, that, that just, it's two very plain rules. Fix what you did wrong and then teach others. Because mm -hmm. that's, that's your responsibility as a public figure. I like that. Can I, 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 I think really, like, well, yeah, one second though. Um, fix what you did wrong and teach others. Um, we, we definitely want to apply that to celebrities, but I think it's just as important that regular people and regular mm -hmm. citizens apply mm -hmm. that to their own lives because that's how we advance ourselves and really not move past the issues that we that we face as society mm -hmm. but I think that personally if I were to have wronged someone um, I I would definitely have trouble coming to terms with it at first obviously because I don't want to I don't want to wrong anyone and it's always difficult to hear that you have wronged someone but I do believe that if I were to take action to fix what I had done and then live my life in a way that taught others, I would feel so much better about myself mm -hmm. um, in that scenario. My question then is, and I totally agree with what you guys are saying, so my question is, if you are willing to go to lengths that extend the moral barriers that you would not otherwise be willing to cross in the public eye for a political purpose, for a celebrity status purpose, how do you then not actually just take on those further moral boundaries and, and actually just become what you are trying to project? How can you then argue that you're still morally superior when you're trying to come across differently or you're using um, harsh means to achieve a result? I'm not sure I understand. Meaning like if you compromise your own values in the process of trying to project an image onto society... How how are you gonna argue that those like the way in which you crossed over and and, um, and did not did not really like follow your own values? How can you argue that then like your values are still what you say they are? How how can you value that? How can you argue that at that point your values have shifted to however harsh the means you use are? I think um, there's a balance. Um, such that, yes, ideally people would be communicating their authentic selves and not being, quote-unquote, fake. However, um, and I'm going to use an extreme example, Michael Jackson may have been uh, doing his authentic 
thing. But I think there's a line between what people like Michael Jackson and Kevin Spacey did that got them cancelled, which I would agree with, and voicing a controversial opinion that goes against the grain of society. I, I'm not saying I know where that line is, because I definitely do not, but um, I think some things there needs to be like a checklist and they need to sort of learn from their mistakes and address what they did wrong. But I would argue for somebody in the public eye, some things are unforgivable. Like, for example, if you are trying to um, present yourself in a positive light such that a story is coming out as a politician and the person who's going to report the story, you know that person is going to report the story. And in, in the most extreme case, something that like might occur in a shell like House of Cards would, would be like that, that political figure getting that person assassinated. Um, to... to how how can that person not say that then their values are that they're willing to kill for something like that um, when they have used that strategy to take down something that they're trying to not project to other people? I want to say two things. So the first is to address that point and that uh, it's that's portrayed in Game of Thrones a lot where mm -hmm. people feel like I am the rightful ruler of these people and, and because I'm the rightful ruler, any means necessary to get me to that throne is what's healthy and right. But the truth is that that's not that's not at all the case, and that the people who do that are seen as villains and bad people in the show. And so I think that that same principle applies uh, in real life for celebrities. That like it, you being the biggest actor or or getting the most followers or the most likes, whatever, is not worth whatever you did. It's not not worth doing anything to get there. It's it's about it's about what you did that deserved those likes. But also, I want I want to say that uh, I don't think that canceling is like it's like there, there are so many people and opportunities in this world more than we can properly fathom like, like it bothered me when people were saying like Kavanaugh was canceled Kavanaugh was not canceled in right. fact he holds a seat on the Supreme Court yeah and even if you were and even if you were not holding a, a seat on the Supreme Court there would have been so many other opportunities for him like you're not born with with you are not born being promised the top of the ladder we're all we're all climbing somewhere. You're not promised that peak. We're all fighting, and if you fall down a few steps, then you fall down a few steps, because we all fall down a few steps. And then you pick yourself back up, and you and you fix your mistakes, and then you keep on climbing. That's just how life works. It's not it's not getting canceled is not a death sentence. It, I think it's so absurd. It's just it's just it's rightfully like uh, accepting the consequences for what you've done wrong, and that's fair and fine and good. So, no, 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 I need, I need, I need, to, I need to jump in. In a social media age, I totally agree with you that like, using social media and using public voice democratizes our ability to hold leaders and celebrities accountable to their actions, and that leaders should not see that as canceling, as you're saying. They should see that as an opportunity to just move forward and, like, and, and accept that they made a mistake. I think that's true. Um, what I also believe, and I'm willing to argue for, is that Sometimes canceling becomes a barrier to constructive dialogue. And sometimes it means that, oh, this person said this, I'm no longer going to engage with someone I disagree with. To what extent does that happen, do you think? And, and how do we mitigate it? Um, so I, I, I feel like I don't have the resources to properly assess how often that happens or the, the frequency of what You have a personal is... anecdote, maybe? Um... So I think okay. So actually, recently, uh, I don't really don't know too much about what happened, but I know that Gina Carano was uh, 
her contract with Disney was terminated because yes. she made a tweet that uh, mischaracterized uh, the fascist and anti-Semitic culture that had fomented in Germany throughout the Holocaust. I think the, the tweet read something like the people of the Republican Party today are comparable to yeah. the Jews in Nazi Germany. That was, that was the implication. <laughs> and so honestly, it was, it was gross. And I really disagree um, with, with her tweet. Um, <laughs> I really disagree with her tweet. Um, but it sounds to me like she's just ignorant and she needs some guidance. Um, and I don't think that... F and I, I, don't know, I don't know what role she played in the series that she was in. I, I've not yet seen The Mandalorian. But uh, it sounds to me like it was a great teaching opportunity. It would have been a great opportunity to say, no, that is so inappropriate, and here's why. Mm. And to, mm. to talk about that, and to do some ADL stuff, and to do some Yad Vashem stuff, mm. and mm -hmm. uh, mm. <laughs> just get in there. and cause Also, because now it now just... She's she's made into a martyr, and right. that sucks. But because there's no social utility to her, yeah, yeah. to any of yeah. that, right? There's it no does. utility to that. There's it no does. action that comes out of it. Uh, mm. Same thing with Ilhan Omar. I think that what she said was pretty terrible. But it did with the pamphlets when she was running against a Jewish opponent and sent out pamphlets conveying and it's like stereotypically Jewish and wrong. Well, I didn't even know about that. I'm, pre I'm pretty sure that was. Whoa. Let me look it up really quickly. Yeah. I know the guy that ran against John Ossoff like um, photoshopped his oh, nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, that true. is like he called like, it out in the debate too. He went crazy. So, <laughs> so, so I think to a certain extent, like Purdue, Purdue had repeatedly <laughs> the made these one. offenses, <laughs> and like, and that is just so <laughs> act grossly actively wrong. But does she said something? She like, like, there's a difference between purposefully. Uh, feeding into a toxic stereotype as Purdue did with Osof. I need to correct something I just said because it was okay. okay. Go ahead. But uh, the the Elon Omar pamphlets, uh, it was not conveying her opponent as like stereotypically Jewish the way Purdue did. Um, it was she was criticized for mailing out pamphlets that only named Jewish donors of her opponent. Mm, that's that, which is in my yeah. opinion just as so, bad. Yeah. So I, mm. so I think that's worse than what uh, than what Gina Carano did. Because she just kind of like sounds like she's misguided and does not understand the weight of of, of yeah. our situation. Meanwhile, Purdue and Omar actively sought out, uh, actively sought like, like sought to. I mean, like, there's there's still a teaching opportunity there, but that they they still like they actively sought out and like singled out a, a community that they wronged. Yeah. And, okay. And that that's different. Okay. So so then. I, I think there's a semantics question that comes out of all of this, which is to say that why did we choose to specifically to use the word cancel when we talk about cancel culture? Why not critique culture or constructive feedback culture? To me, the idea of canceling is that is, is exactly what you're describing, that it is, it is a critique or criticism of someone that does not involve a, a productive byproduct, an action step, and that, and that we need to be able to draw a line between what is just canceling someone completely and what is offering them an ability to like improve upon. I mean, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't name it. I mean, it's just it's something that just like, somebody but said that's, first that's and That's what I think people on. mean when they say cancel culture. The, that something, a critique that lacks the ability for improvement. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I think. I, I agree, but that's not always how it works. And most people who are canceled are fine off. And so I, I don't like, it's, it's, to me, it's kind of like, but um, why cancel them? Why not? Critique them. I think it's why cancel like, them. Uh, why say why say no? You can't get get better. You're canceled. I, I feel like that's less like 
Why not postponed for like the, the idea of canceled is like no no seriously the idea of canceled is oh like like your event is not happening we canceled you why right. not Let's oh postpone, postpone until you uh, do better until you apologize Suspend, until you maybe. improve upon what you did it feels like a boycott like a like a boycott culture like mm. you're canceled so nobody is allowed to listen to your music or watch your films um, and I don't know if there is like a small print that reads until you do better. Um, but no, I think I think productive. I think that small print is just until people forget because people tend to have very short yeah. memories for this. Kind yeah, of that's thing. so true. I I don't. Uh, I think it depends on the crime. Michael Jackson so right. and people so right. like Jimmy Savile will always remain like a taboo thing to listen Doesn't... to. Uh, but like people like the the I, I, I've already forgotten her name, which illustrates my point. The the one from the Mandalorian in Disney, Gina Carana. Gina Carana. I think people will forget about in a very long. Amber Heard. Like Ooh. Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. That's an interesting the, example. Really interesting. Right, because cancel culture was so quick to jump onto Johnny Depp as a villain, and then it came out that he was being abused by Amber Heard. She was able to keep her role uh, in Aquaman, and he was mm-hmm. fired from uh, the... Uh, wait, it was one of the Harry Potter series. He was fired from that... I think Pirates of the Caribbean actually kept him on. Grindelwald, yeah. Yeah, he was fired as Grindelwald, which I was so excited to see him as that character. Dank. Um, He should, in my opinion, he should still be in that role because of what came out afterwards. Disney should have offered him the role back. Um, He was kept on in Pirates of the Caribbean because the news of Amber Heard abusing him came out. And I find it just so wrong that Amber Heard was able to keep her role in Aquaman. Um, it's just a very, in, for me, that's one of the most interesting instances of cancel culture, um, just because people, nothing changed after new information came out. So I, uh, at surface value, that does seem to be sort of a sexist issue, and like, it, it does read at first glance that the, the man got condemned and the, the woman didn't. Right. However, I think it could also be that Johnny Depp looks like what a stereotypical villain would look like. Like he's got tattoos and piercing. Crazy mustache. Like a brooding, dark demeanor. Hmm. And I think it also might be to do with that Hmm. as opposed to just as simple as he's the man. Right, if like Billy Eichner got cancelled for no reason, he's like a a happy-go-lucky kind of guy. And like, I'm sure people would be quick, like faster to forgive him than Johnny Depp. I would argue that it is inherent in cancel culture that it 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 lacks an ability to let people improve because of the function of it often being that boycott idea mm-hmm. that you're describing. The fact that you boycott that then does not give that person the opportunity to through further work improve upon themselves. The same way, and, and this is a huge leap to make, but the same way I believe BDS does not give Palestinians themselves the ability to improve upon um, and and utilize Israeli innovation, and 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 the one time that they were actually willing to go against themselves was to get the coronavirus vaccine. Um, I wasn't really quickly just on what does said. My dad, um, actually no, I'll say this for another episode. Nadav, you're you're <laughs> welcome to it. I so first to uh, to address the sexist remark. I don't think it's a matter of sexism as much as I think it's a matter of impatience. Uh, I think that 
was so. I think one of the biggest issues right now is that people are impatient. They they want yeah, instant no, no, gratification, I, I agree with you on that. and so they, they they want an instant response from these institutions as opposed to a thorough and fair response from institutions. And so I think that like I I can so that that's where I think the issue is. I don't really necessarily think think it's a sexist sex, sexism issue. Um, uh, and then to address uh, what you said is you you were saying that um, right boycott. Um, I think that consumer that cancels themselves. That cancels the cancelers because it doesn't actually give them the ability to address what they want from that person, let them improve. That's my opinion. Um, I I don't know about that. I think that I think that boycotts. I think part of boycotts makes it clear, like what you did, like why you did what what you did wrong. Um, and so I so I, I agree that that doesn't doesn't lay out what you can do to make it right. And I, I will concede that that there is there there is an issue with uh, with. Uh, with it's not it's not so it's not a constructive process that, that there, there could be more constructive but I think that I think this is a good first step in democratizing and uh, in, in democratizing uh, what, what I, you said it very well earlier democratizing I think social media and the press democratizes um, the public's ability to criticize and hold accountable public, there we go. public yes. officials and celebrities. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think it's time to do that. I think that cancel culture is a good first step and that the next step is, is to make it more constructive. A postponed culture. Yeah, right. yeah. and so, so I... So obviously, yeah. <laughs> we'll call it maybe so... Like, nah. So yeah, I think that I think this is a good postponed. place for us to leave off on today's episode. And as always, we would like to leave you, we'd like to leave you with a question. So today's question that we will be leaving you with um, to end the episode is... Should should we redefine cancel culture, and if so, how? So that concludes today's episode. Um, you are now allowed to check out the Hotel California, and we will see you on the next episode of Talking Heads Club. So as soon as we wrapped up the episode, we realized that we had more to say. So Nadal, the dog went into a, a very organic rant. <laughs> Right. Which will not uh, be replicating in an incredibly organic way. The point I wanted to make was that it's so easy for the four of us to, to be saying all these things not as victims of anything. It's so easy for us to say, oh, this is pushing for later, they'll, they'll learn from it. But, like, we don't fucking know that. Uh, pardon my language. Like, we don't, like, I, I don't, like, we don't know that they're going to learn from it later. And honestly, I don't care about these people's uh, celebrity aspirations. Like, I care that Gina Crown's not made to a, a martyr, and I care that anti-Semitism is not proliferated. Um, and so I, like, I, I want, that's why I want her to be used as like a learning tool for society. But like, I, like there's, like if, if somebody had wronged me so terribly that I felt my life trajectory had, had now had a roof that, that I couldn't operate and, or function optimally in society because I'd, I'd been damaged by somebody or for so long, I lost so much time because I was, I was trying to heal from this trauma, then maybe I really would want somebody to be behind bars forever, and maybe the, and or maybe I really would want somebody to lose their job. I think that's that's a fair and that that is a very valid perspective. That's really hard to consider for people who are not victims, and so I think that that's very important to consider, and that it's and that the truth is that that that, that needs to be taken into consideration in in the next evolution of what cancel culture what what in, in its next manifestation. So right now it's, it's it's a bit more extreme, but and and maybe there could be maybe it can be more, more constructive. But maybe these these extremes are a bit fair and just hard for us to understand because we're, we're not in these people's shoes. 
Uh, thank you so much for that. And now we are actually done. We will <laughs> see you next time on the Talking Heads Club.